Um, so do you want to say a bit about yourself? Yep. And then... Okay, fine. Um, great, it's good to be here. But as I often say at my age, it's good to be anywhere. Um, but it's particularly good to be with you and to share fellowship. Yeah, my name's Chris, um, Tina, my wife. And um, what more can I say? We live in the Midlands. Uh, we're part of a church in the inner city called Mosaic Church. And that's where we're based. And we do quite a bit of traveling. And at this stage of life, we're enjoying writing and publishing books and I just want to play a short video. I will talk about this at the end of my message. But this is a one-minute video about a children's book we have just released, and it fits in with what I want to share this morning. So if you'd play that for us. JJ is a 10-year-old boy with problems, bullied at school and misunderstood at home. Life has become an emotional roller coaster. This rocky ride is made easier by his pet dog, Toby, and kind-hearted Grandpa Joe. Allowing his imagination to run wild, JJ tries to escape his troubles by daydreaming his way through life. But bragging about riding the legendary Big Ben roller coaster was perhaps not one of his best ideas. How does JJ deal with being bullied? How does he handle being misunderstood and always coming up short? Journey with JJ through the ups and downs of everyday life and share with him as he makes a life-changing discovery. Thank you, John. Um, just to say that, as we've been hearing this morning and praying this morning, I believe the Spirit of God is doing something. Uh, he's always doing something, and he's always on the move. And I want to move towards a crescendo tonight. Um, God willing, I want to talk about the kingdom of God and bring us to a point of making some declarations about the kingdom within our lives and also within our geographical areas. Because we do have a legal right to be here. We have a legal right to be here. We're not just hanging on till Jesus comes, but we have a legal right to be here. And that legal right also endorses us to kick the illegal squatter out of the territory he tries to take. So why we prayer walk is because we want to see the enemy defeated. So that's where I'm moving to this evening. So I, I do hope you will be able to be with us. Um, this morning, I want to talk about what is up on the screen called the Cinderella culture. The Cinderella culture. It is my belief that each and every one of us, in God's heart, he has a desire. And his desire is that we go to the ball. Every one of us goes to the ball. That we accept the invitation to receive Jesus Christ into our lives. We move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And we move into the celebration of God in the here and now. You see, through the death, the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ, God is offering all humanity an opportunity to join in a heavenly celebration in the here and now. I feel it's a mandate on my life to tell the church we can enjoy life here and now. Yeah. That there is a life that is abundant life. That word means pressed and shaken together. It means living in the overflow. When I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, he was saying, I want you to have time to do all that you are required to do and have it to spare I want you to have energy to do all that I want you to do and have energy to spare. 
because that is living in the abundance. It's not living with a minute measure, not just sufficient. It's living in the abundance. And it's living in that celebration. And I feel that God is shifting the church. We're in a great time right now because he's shifting the body of Christ and he's helping us to realize there is a celebration in the here and now that we go to what I'm calling the ball, the fun part, the enjoyment of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But there is a problem and the problem is that many people are listening to the ugly sisters The ugly sisters, which I talk about being intimidation and condemnation. Two twins, intimidation and condemnation. And these ugly sisters are locking us into what I call basement thinking. And God wants to move us out of the basement, out of basement thinking, into what the New Testament classifies as high-level living living in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, ruling and reigning through one Christ Jesus. We'll talk more about that tonight. So it's moving out of the basement, out of basement thinking into high level living. Because becoming a Christ follower is a supernatural process. It is a process whereby the Spirit of God renews our mind. He renews our thinking, whereby we can reign in life with Christ, in Christ Jesus, whereby we can be seated in heavenly places. So here's where I'm going this morning. I'm wanting God's Spirit to take us on a journey from the basement to the ballroom. Because it's time, folks, to party. It's actually time to enjoy our Christian life. It doesn't happen here, I'm sure, but I find some Christians knew more at a party before they became Christians than since they've become Christians. They're some of what I call God's miserable saints. <laughs> you know, you watch them go into that church so-called building looking miserable, and they come out looking even more miserable. You think, well, that didn't do you much good, did it? But I believe the joy of the whole earth is in the gathering of God's people. If this area wants to know the joy of the earth, they come here. You want to know what real, I'm not talking about happiness, because happiness is dependent on happenings. Sometimes our happenings are not good happenings, and they don't make us very happy. But I can know a joy, a deposit of the Holy Spirit that goes beyond my circumstances. And I don't mean a plastic grin. I don't just mean a pretense. I mean a deep down joy. Lord God, I am not enjoying this moment. But I'm still rejoicing that you're in control. You're still on the throne. And there is a joy unspeakable and full of glory. So I want to go from the basement to the ballroom. And to to do that, my form of transport, my form of transport is a proverb. And it's an NASB translation of Proverbs 23, 7 that says this. As a man or woman thinks within themselves, so he or she is. As a man or woman thinks within themselves, so he or she is. According to this proverb, 
we are in some senses the sum total of our thinking. What you think is what you are. Now some people say, no, 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 no. What you eat is what you are. Well, if that's true, I've got a few Big Macs and some pepperoni pizzas sitting here. <laughs> if you are what you think. Some people say, well, no, 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 no. You are what you wear. If you have the right logo, you're cool. No, others say, well, no, you are what you do. No, the Bible clearly says you are what you think. So out of that, I have a kind of a simple mantra that helps me live my Christian life. And it's simply this. What I believe affects how I behave and ultimately what I become. What I believe affects how I behave and ultimately what I become. What I believe, beliefs, we all have them. They tell us that we have what they call a cluster of beliefs, a collection of beliefs. According to our environment, our education, and our experience, we have collected a whole load of beliefs. And some of them are rubbish. Some of them are just superficial and don't really affect you. They don't really matter, but you have a belief. You may have a belief that your team will win a certain trophy. Well, keep believing. It may or may not happen, you know. But it's not really. In 100 years, it won't be that important. But there are some beliefs that are so deep-seated, they affect our lives daily. Someone says our cluster of beliefs is like a jewelry. And they're ready at any moment to bring judgment on people, objects, and events. I could describe someone that you have never met. And if I described them in a negative sense, when you met them, you would walk towards them with an angle of approach that was negative. Because I had created a set of beliefs. I could tell you about food. I could tell you about a, a holiday location. I could tell you about a particular car. I was in, the, we were in the States a few weeks ago. And on Father's Day, this guy picked us up in a Tesla electric car. He said, I've only just picked this up half an hour ago. I have no idea how to drive it. <laughs> that bred confidence in me. He's going to take us to church. And he says, it has this automatic mode that you don't have to touch the steering wheel. It just drives. So he tries it out on the highway. And then it starts going wrong. He said, oh, well, hang on, hang on. There's a bit of a, a, bit of a glitch in this. I'm thinking... I've got a belief about Teslas now. I'm not sure I'm going to get one. Not that I could afford one, but you can have a set of beliefs and some of them are superficial. Some of them are deep-seated. And our beliefs are so part of us. That's why when Jesus came into this world to talk about his kingdom, about the life that he was going to make available to all humanity, he began his preaching with the word repent. Now, it's a little archaic in some people's thinking, but it's still biblical. I'm out to restore some words that we have lost. Because no, whatever you say, they are biblical good words. And if they're used wrongly, we need to redeem them, buy them back. And repent is a God word. The word repentance means a change of mind that leads to a change of lifestyle. 
And Jesus said, if you want this new lifestyle I am offering to you, there needs to be an act of repentance whereby the Spirit of God changes your thinking. Now, there are two ways of thinking. There may be even more, but I want to give you two ways of thinking. They're what some people call fixed and some people call growth. So you have fixed thinking and growth thinking. I like to put them like this. There are flat earth thinkers and there are round earth thinkers. You see, flat earth thinkers live in the fear of what others have said. Now, as Christians... It is possible to live in the fear of what someone said to us. Someone has said over us or someone has said about us. We can be so locked into to that kind of thinking that we live according to what people have said, not what God has said. It's possible. Flat earth thinkers in the, the, uh, the time when they believed the earth was flat, they stayed with the familiar they stayed with the, the, always keeping their eyes on the shoreline. They would never move away from that which was visible and that which was known. God, by His grace, is asking us to move outside of fixed or flat earth thinking, whether we're ruled by fear, into round earth thinking that is reigned by faith, not fear. Whereby I want to walk in the good, John, the paraphrase of John 8, 31. I want to walk in the good of what Jesus says. If God says it, I want to believe it. But not only believe it, I want to behave it, which is not good English. But I want to behave according to what God says. If you know the truth, the truth will You'll live in the liberty if you know it. But that's not just an assent. Oh, yeah, good text. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We men are good at doing that. We're shaking our heads and agreeing to things we don't know what we're listening to. And we've just spent a lot of money we didn't realize we'd agreed to. But we're not really listening. It's not that assent. It's, it's knowing what I call in your knower. It's knowing deep in here, I know that I know, that I know, that I know. I see things with these eyes that create fear, but I know in my heart that God is still in control. And He has a purpose for this earth. He has a purpose for His people. And I want to be more of the, the round earth thinkers because flat earth thinkers see the hole and miss the donut. They see the hole and miss the donut. They don't see possibilities, they just see problems. It's pro, that's a problem, that's a problem. But it could be a possibility. I sometimes think that's why God kept the children of Israel quiet while walking around the walls of Jericho. Because they would see the problem, but didn't see the possibility. And it took all of that time to come to the shout, which is the teruah which is a victory shout, you shout before the victory is won. Or before the, it's, it's, a, it's a completion. And the shout of victory, the walls come down. So it's not being flat earth whereby we're fearful to venture out, but it's being round earth thinkers, people of faith that say, God, I want to walk in the good of what you says. I don't know whether I will see it, but I believe the best is yet to come. I believe in a church that Jesus will come back for that will be victorious. I grew up with the wrong kind of theology. 
that said, we're just hanging on with our fingernails. We even sung hymns with that kind of theology. Hold the, you don't know, hold the fort for I am coming. You know, just hang on, folks. Just hang on. Jesus will come. If you can just hang on. A little. I used to go further down, but I can't now. I'm too old. <laughs> if I get down there, you'll have to lay hands on me and get me back. But it's not that. I believe that he's coming for a glorious church without spot and wrinkle. So without acne, spiritually speaking, or without ageism, spiritually speaking. He's coming for a glorious church. And that is my belief. Your belief affects how you behave. How you behave. Becoming a Christ follower is not just a mental assent to what you hear. It is a radical transformation by the power of God, whereby once I was dead, now I am alive. Once I was spiritually blind, my eyes have now been opened. It is a radical transformation of life. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ has to get back to that, tra that radical transformation that is new birth, that we're birthed into the kingdom of God. Because the way we believe is the way we behave. You may have heard me tell this story, but it just fits so well into this. We live for a season in our married life. And we're not far off 50 years of marriage, which is a miracle. I'll be honest that my wife would put up with me, and she'll say amen now, for nearly 50 years is a miracle. <laughs> that is unusual. Um, we lived in Yorkshire, beautiful county. And um, in the time we lived there, certain people were born, raised, and died in the same village. Never left, their, never left their street, lived in the same house. Sometimes it was their parents' house. There was this older couple, this is a true story because I've checked it out, that decided that they were now at the senior years of life and they had a little bit of money and they would go traveling. They'd never been outside their, well, their town, really. Just a small town. So they, they said, we're going to go traveling. They got excited, told all their friends, hey, we're going on, we're going on holiday. We, we are going. Where are you going? We're going to America. You go, For your first trip, how are you going to America? Yeah, where are you going? New York. New York? Where are you staying? Downtown New York. Now, you know, it's not the best of places. When this was happening, this is back in the 70s. So people said to them, be careful. You will get robbed. You will get beaten up. You will get mugged. I use that word in America. No one knew what it meant. <laughs> you will get attacked. That is not a safe place. Do be careful. Beliefs, beliefs, beliefs. Anyway, the story goes, they get, in, they get on the flight, go to fly into New York, uh, get transport down to their hotel, which is in the downtown part of New York. Not in the 70s, it wasn't the best area. And uh, they get into their hotel. And it's not too late at night, but they get into the hotel room, get unpacked and everything. And the wife has a brainwave. Wait for it, guys. Let's go shopping. But it's, well, the shops stay open late here. Let's go shopping. Okay. So they get into the lift or elevator and they descend into the lobby of the hotel. And they're just about to step outside the front door and the wife says, oh, no. 
I've left my purse, my handbag, I, I've left it in the room. Well, that's the end of the world, isn't it? I mean, you, you, you. so she said, look, you wait here. I'll go back to the hotel room and get my handbag and then I'll join you back here and then we'll go shopping. Okay, said, so you go. So she gets back into the lift, the elevator goes up to the hotel room, gets her purse, her handbag, gets back into the elevator and just as the elevator door begins to close, this tall, huge Afro-American steps in with a dog the size of a pony. It is a big dog. And so the doors close. There's just the lady, the frail old lady, the big Afro-American and this huge beast of an animal. And then the elevator begins to descend. And in the silence of the elevator, suddenly there is the shout of the words, get down, lie down. Get on the floor. And the lady thought, oh no. She's not Christian, but she begins to pray. God, help me. And she begins to kneel on the floor. And she hears the man start chuckling. And he puts his hand on her shoulder. I'm sorry, love. I was talking to the dog. (laughs) I was talking to the dog. So he helps her up and then they go off shopping and everything else. And when they're about to go leave the hotel, they go to the reception desk and they want to pay their bill. And the the receptionist said, oh, that's okay. Your bill has been paid for. And in fact, he says, he brings out this huge bouquet of flowers. And he said, this has been left for you. And there's a card and it says, thank you for the biggest laugh I have had for a long time. Signed, Lionel Richie. Isn't that amazing? Lionel Richie. (laughs) The reason I tell that story, because it's a good story. Um, But your beliefs affect your behavior. What do you believe and what you've been told about yourself, words have been spoken to you, over you, or, or about you, will affect how you behave. And then finally, my beliefs affect my behavior and will affect ultimately what I become. This is the last piece of the jigsaw. This is where I really want to move towards. It is my belief that God is now moving his church throughout the world to a point where we learn to understand and reflect to the world around us what it means to celebrate the grace of God. To live lives that mirror image the grace of God. We not only celebrate the grace of God, we also demonstrate the goodness of God. That we are those who reflect who Christ is. We come from the basement to the ballroom. We come to a place whereby we are showing to this world just who we are in Christ Jesus. Not in ourselves, but in Him. In Him. The kind of person that we are in Him. And I want to share something in a moment that God gave me during worship for some of you as individuals and also you as a church. But it is this moment in time where we need to recognize who we are. We are winners who sometimes fail, not failures who sometimes win. Big difference. Big difference. And that's not my quote, that's Tina's. But there's a problem. It says in the book of Romans, Romans 12, 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. 
But I don't think many Christians have that problem. I think we don't think of ourselves as highly as we ought. Because we need to see ourselves as God sees us. And when God looks on me, he sees me clothed in the rightness of Jesus Christ. And for some of you, you need to understand that. It's like in the Bible times, in Jesus walking throughout, I'm thinking particularly of after his ascension when the, the, uh, Peter and John are at the gate beautiful and the man there that's asking for one thing and they give him another. And there's almost a sense for some of you that you are constantly reminded of the shame of your past life. It's like a, a garment full of holes and it's ragged, it's dirty, it's worn, it's tattered. And you're standing, as it were, seeing just that. And the word of God to you this morning is you've got to learn the overcoat syndrome. You've got to learn the overcoat theology. You've got to learn to put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ because we are clothed in his rightness. Not my rightness, his rightness. I have a legal right to be here and worship him. Why? Because of who I am. Yeah, who I am in Christ. And I need to have this wardrobe, this spiritual wardrobe. Some of you need to learn to put on the whole armor of God. But I think there's an issue here that we need to put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and recognize who we are, to see ourselves as God sees us. He sees us as sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. He sees us as servants of the Most High God. He sees us as stewards of the mysteries of heaven. He sees us as soldiers in the army of the King. He sees us as ambassadors of heaven on earth. The man who's just resigned in New York had a legal right to be there because he was representing this nation. You are representing heaven on earth. Or oh, let that just sink in a while. We are heaven's ambassadors on earth. We are here representing heaven on earth. We are citizens of the kingdom of God here on earth. We are overcomers. We are those who are able to run through a troop and leap over a wall. I'm the head, not the tail. In Christ, I am supremely loved, highly valued, and eternally redeemed. And God wants to take me from basement thinking to high-level living. He wants to take me from the basement to the ballroom. He wants to bring me into that place where I know what it literally means to reign, reign, and I'll explain more of this tonight, reign in life through one man, Christ Jesus, to live in heavenly places, to stop living in the basement of disgrace, and come, come to the ballroom of grace. Amen. The ballroom of grace, not the basement of disgrace. And the enemy does a job on us. He keeps just putting us down, putting us down, reminding us of stuff that was buried in the depths of the ocean, in the ocean of God's forgetfulness or the, the ability he has to forget. We are those who have a legal right to be here. I'm drawing this to a close, but... The other way I'd illustrate this, it's a bit like the story of the prodigal son. And it's as if we are the principal player in this, this, product, in this parable. You know the story of the prodigal son. He comes to his senses, which is repentance, realizes that feeding pigs is not a place where a good Jewish boy should be. 
You don't realize the shock and horror that people would have had when they heard Jesus talk about a Jewish boy not only associating with but feeding pigs. That is the lowest of the low. But he comes to his senses. He realizes where he is is not where he's destined to be. He should be back in his father's house. So he literally repents comes back, receives the father's embrace, the loving embrace, and the father gives him a cloak, a coat. It's thought to be the sonship coat. It's a new identity. We have a new identity in who we are in Christ. He gives him a ring of authority, and he gives him shoes of destiny. And that's what God has done. The gentleman mentioned it this morning about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. I am the son of the living God. I am a daughter of the king. You are a daughter of the king or a son of the king. However you want to say, I'm an ambassador of heaven on earth. And Satan, you will not throw those lies. I will kick those lies out. I will receive the truth of who I am in Jesus. And it's like we have the coat, we have the ring, we have the shoes, but we're refusing to go to the party. The Father has prepared a party for us to go into. And the Christian life, yes, I know there are struggles, but it's supposed to be a party, folks. We're actually supposed to enjoy this. You know, this is heaven on earth. I know there are stuff that needs to be happening and we need to kick the illegal squatter out of things and there needs to be things. And we need to realize who we are. I'm going to play a song in a moment. Uh, we just come back. We spent about three weeks in the States. And I had to have root canal surgery before we left. You know, that's a real joy. If you've had a root canal surgery, you think, oh, great. Then says, no, we've got to do this. You can't, you can't fly unless you have this done. So I'm in this uh, great dentist. I love dentists. I just hate dentistry. Um, and I'm, I'm lying there while he, you know, Tries to hold a conversation with you. What are you going to do? Yeah. It is an impossible thing, isn't it? To try and talk to your dentist. And while I'm laying there, a song is playing. And I'm trying to tell him, this is a great song. A great song. And it's by um, Lauren Daigle. And I'd like us to play it because to me it encapsulates everything I'm trying to share with you. And this lady is a Christian and is a phenomenal impact right now in the world. So let's listen to it and I'm going to come back and pray. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single
prophetic pictures and then I'm going to pray. I feel for some individuals in this room this morning, there is a sense in which God wants to remind you who you are in Christ, who you are in Christ. And the picture is of this, this blind beggar, New Testament times, kind of on, he's, he's propped up with a, a crutch and his clothes are filthy and dirty and bedraggled. And it's as if God comes strengthens him or to her and puts on them the coat of righteousness. I believe God wants to do a work to open your eyes to who you are in Christ this morning. And individuals in this room, and I want to pray for you, that God would give you a new insight. God thinks you're terrific. It's time you told yourself that. It's time you told yourself. Look in the mirror and say, God thinks you're terrific. And then when the, the enemy comes with the lies, don't, don't receive them. Yeah, but, you know, you, you need to kick the but out. Amen. It's not that, it's but God. And the word I have for you as a church, and this came to me, and it's personal to me as well, but I felt that God wanted me to share it into a larger sense. Um, God has often reminded me of my ministry, and in the way he gives me a picture, if you know anything about the trooping of the color, there are these particular individuals who sit on huge horses with two kettle drums either side of them. If you research, you'll find these horses are uh, traced back to some of the greatest warriors in the history of humanity. And they're war horses. And these two kettle drums, they beat them, you know, and they just beat these drums and the horses just know the way to go. And what God was saying to me was, most of us think of kettle drums in the orchestra at the back, in the percussion section, and that's where they stay. They're in the percussion section. But God was saying, you need to, re you need to realize it's time for the kettle drums to get outside of their location into the place where I've called them to be. And the kettle drum on this side is the Word of God, and this side is the work of the Spirit. The Word of God and the work of the Spirit. The Word of God and the work of the Spirit. And I felt that for me this morning, God's saying, you, you, you're beating this drum too much. 
The, work, the Word of God, the Word of God is vital, but you need also the work of the Spirit. You need to be supernaturally natural to know what it means to move into the, the realm of the Spirit. And I believe corporately and collectively and nationally, God is telling the church it's time to take the kettle drum outside of the building to take the Word of God and the work of the Spirit and be like a warrior sat on the war horse of faith and moving in the dynamic of the Spirit to bring in the kingdom of God on earth right here and now. And in a very natural but supernatural way to go out into society and say, God, what is my divine appointment today? What are those people you want me to meet and maybe just casually share? How are you doing? And they share with you some situation. What would you mind? Could I pray for you? A friend of mine was just in a restaurant the other day, and the, the waitress was really struggling to walk. And she told her the story, and there's a whole story to this that I don't need to go into. But he said, Do you mind if I, we pray for you? We are Christians. And in that restaurant, she not only received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but she received healing. And was walking around totally well. That to me is the kingdom coming. That is God restoring his kingdom in the earth today. But it takes someone who goes out knowing who they are and seeing the word of God and the work of the spirit working in, har in harmony together. Would you stand with me please? If you weren't planning to come tonight, you need to cancel whatever you were doing and get here. Because I believe we need to do some warfare and praying. Um, and in the light of what's just been shared this morning, it's just happening so often, so many places. But it's time that the body of Christ rise up in power, not of themselves, but in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So let's bow our heads. We're going to pray. I want to pray for those who were part of that first picture, feeling maybe the shame, the ugly sisters have been, of intimidation and condemnation have been whispering. And you feel as if you're in a kind of a, a basement moment. But God is saying, come on, you should be in the ballroom. You should be celebrating grace and demonstrating the goodness of God. And you can't do that. I can't do that in my own strength. I need God to open my eyes to show me who I am. I need to, again, remind myself I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. My past has been forgiven. I am a new creation. The old has gone, and behold, everything has become new. It's not according to my feeling. It's according to my faith in the Word of God. And I choose to believe what God says about me, not what the enemy or what others say about me. It's what God says about me. And He thinks you're fantastic. He thinks you're brilliant. He thinks you're an actual, you're a walking miracle. You're just so incredible through the power of God. So Father, I pray for everyone this morning that as it were, the ugly sisters have been doing a work on them and they feel as if they are no one. Lord, they are in you somebody. They are those who are called to be the head and not the tail. They are called to be on the, the cutting edge and not the trailing edge. They are called to be those who make a difference. Father, we stand against the lie and we buy into the truth. We refuse the lie and accept the truth of what God says about us. Now, Father, I pray for the church, not only here, but throughout this nation. Father, it's our hour. This is our time. This is our moment. Lord, thank you for all that have gone on before to make this moment possible. 
And thank you for those, if you do, if you do not return, that will come after us. But we ask right now in this moment of time that we will, as it were, take the word of God and the work of the Spirit out into the highways and byways and we will see the transformation of people's lives. The Father, we will come as that man sat at the gate, beautiful, being totally restored, came rejoicing, dancing with Peter and John into the house of the Lord. We pray we will bring those trophies of grace. We will bring those miracle answers of prayer who will come with us and say, you won't fully understand what goes on in this place, but let me show you some other people who have been transformed just like you, that they will come and experience what it means to be part of the community of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, because you're coming for a glorious church without spot and without wrinkle. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.